I'm excited uh, to have Andy Sieberhagen, the uh, Global Missions Pastor from Heritage, here to speak to us today. Um, Andy's not just a good friend, but he is that. Uh, but uh, you'll, uh, you'll tell that uh, uh, he started his, uh, started his journey in South Africa and uh, then was called into mission or actually responded to, uh, to the call into mission and, and uh, six years in Uzbekistan, uh, four years in Kazakhstan, and for the last two years, he's been serving in Westerville at Heritage. And uh, so he can sort of talk to all the ends of you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other uttermost parts of the earth. And as uh, Todd mentioned last week when he talked about Andy coming, he's a, just a tremendously faithful man of God. It's exciting to hear what God's put on his heart. Andy? Not sure what that was, but I'll be a captain any time. It's wonderful to be with you, and uh, I don't know if you're a bit like me, but when you look at what's going on in the world today, you do want to say, hey, can you just stop it for a moment? I want to get off. Uh, when I look at what happened in 2011, and you wonder what's going to happen this year. But really, what's critical is whose perspective you're using when you look at the world today. If you take the perspective of CNN, of Fox, of all the media, I don't know if I really want to get up in the morning. It's all a bit depressing. The economy, the rumors of war, just seems like there's turmoil wherever we look. Isn't that right? And you kind of just wonder how it's all going to work itself out. So that's not a great perspective. The good news is, is if you take to heart today's message and you start to get involved in the nations from his perspective, everything changes. Everything changes. As I watch the world today, I can't tell you, when I look at it from God's eyes, I'm more excited than I've ever been. Do you realize that he's right now preparing his bride? And Jesus is coming back. And it's so exciting to watch and be a part of it all. And if you just get caught up in your own world and your own people, you're going to miss it. Jesus is going to come and you're going to go, well, how did that happen? But the incredible thing right now is you know that the most believers in the world today are in China. China is turning upside down. They're talking about over 100 million Christians. India, they're talking about a changing civilization as the Dalits start to come to Christ in volumes. Iran, as you watch Iran and hear about all that, you're probably thinking the way they thought about Jesus with Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Iran? Well, when you look through God's eyes, it is astonishing what is going on right now. Do you know that in Iran today, conservatively, there are 100,000 Muslim background believers. Did you know that? Can you see Anderson Cooper announcing that at the 10 o'clock? God is doing unprecedented things in Iran. And as we sat and heard some of the pastors, we got one of the pastors of Iran. This is not some glamorous reporting by some mission journal. This was an Iranian pastor. He came and spoke to a group of us. And he said, if you 
Close your eyes and listen carefully enough. You will hear the footsteps of Jesus walking through Iran. I don't know about you, but I feel like going to Iran and seeing all that God is doing. He's shaking up the Muslim world in unprecedented ways. Right now in Algeria, 10 years ago, 100% Muslim. There are so many Algerians coming to know Jesus. Again, over 100,000. They can't count anymore. That in July last year, the government that was oppressing and persecuting them, the government passed a law through parliament officially recognizing Christianity as a religion in Algeria. Isn't that amazing? A Muslim country in North Africa. And if you want to go to church in Algeria, you better get there two hours before because you can't even get into the building. It's just phenomenal what God is doing there. And just a year ago, before they passed the law, they called these pastors together and said, listen, if you don't close your churches and stop meetings, we're putting you in prison. You know what the pastor said to him? How big are your prisons? He says, because you better start a building program because you're not going to fit us all in your prisons. 100% Muslim, God is turning that country around. God is at work around the world, preparing his bride like never before. And if you don't have a world perspective on God and all that he's doing, you are going to get depressed and you're going to be navel-gazing and you're going to miss out on the exciting thing that God is doing. So I'm hoping to inspire you, and not through my words, but through his word, about the part that you and I could get to play in this incredible plan that God has to reach the whole world so that Jesus can come back and take his bride and we can live with him forever. And so let's go through it together. And we're going to start in Genesis chapter 12 with uh, this incredible covenant that God made with Abraham. And if you've got your Bible, I'm going to be using uh, quite a few scriptures as we go along just to prepare you. Because then I'll give you a challenge, but I want you to see the challenge is coming from God's heart that's been laid out all throughout the scriptures. So if we start in Genesis chapter 12 and read from verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. It sounds like our first missionary being sent out. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, when God makes a covenant, you can be sure he sticks to it. But a covenant involves two people. You've got God on this side, and you've got Abraham and all his descendants on the other side. And so we see God repeat this. If you follow in the Old Testament, you'll see he repeats this to Isaac, to Jacob. And then we see uh, all of his descendants being held in slavery in Egypt. And then God delivers them in an amazing way, raises up Moses as a leader, puts them in the desert for 40 years. Now, what does he do in those 40 years? Is he just kind of playing games with them, wandering around? Or did he have a plan? And when you see how it's laid out, he really shows us what discipleship is. He takes this group of refugees, and in the desert, he turns them into a nation. And he shows them how to live. He gives them laws, and he lays it all out, how to function 
as a nation that worships and honors the true God. That was God's whole plan. Now, did he pick the Jewish people just because, you know, he just wanted one group that he was going to be very special to? Or did he have a purpose for choosing this particular group? We've got to go back to what the covenant said. Through your seed, Abraham, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. And this was his strategy. If you look in Deuteronomy 28.9, it says, The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised on earth. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him, then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. Do you see what God's plan was here? His plan was to lift Israel up, to lift, lift this group of people up and that they would become this light that would draw all the other nations, would look at them and say, wow, look at these people, look how they live and they would be drawn to know the one true God and they would be blessed through the nation of Israel. That was God's plan all along. And if you follow right through, we don't have time today, but all the scriptures that show God had appointed Israel to be this light to the nations because he's a covenant-working God. And uh, I just want to read Psalm 67 to you, which to me captures it so well. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine on us. Why? So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the earth will fear him. Do you see the covenant all over that psalm? The whole principle that God blesses me. He blesses Abraham's descendants so that they will take that blessing and bless all the peoples of the earth. How did Israel do? Do you think they were a light? Were all the nations drawn to God through the nation of Israel? At times, yes. But it got to a point where instead of being set apart from the nations, they became like the nations. And sadly, uh, Ezekiel laments in uh, Ezekiel chapter 36. He says, I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. And so instead of being a light, their light grew dim, and Israel became like all the other nations. But God is a covenant God. God said to Abraham, through your descendants, I will bless all the peoples of the earth. And so we see in Isaiah a whole new vision and strategy being unveiled by God. In, in Isaiah 42, he begins to talk about the Messiah who would come from the descendants of Abraham and through the Messiah, he would fulfill his covenant. And in Isaiah 42, verse 6, he says, The Lord has called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. 
Do you see what God was doing? Jesus was going to come as a descendant of Abraham. And he was going to be the one to, to bring the fulfillment of this incredible covenant that he made so long ago. So Jesus comes and he starts his ministry, establishing the kingdom on earth. And the, the, the most famous, well-known scripture in the Bible is John 3.16, I think. For God so loved America. For God so loved the Jews. Or is it for God so loved the entire world? That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And Paul says, how can they believe in, some, in the one who they've never heard about? But Jesus said, I came for the whole world. I died for the entire world. So we shouldn't be surprised that at the end of his time on earth, he calls the guys he's been discipling together and he says, now just in case you haven't been watching, do you realize what your mission is? I've given you the authority in my name to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. And just in case they didn't get it, in Acts chapter 1, he says, let me just tell you again, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you in power and you are going to be my witnesses. Just in Jerusalem. Just among your people. No. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That is where you will be my witnesses. And so the church is born. And we see the beautiful story in Acts of a church being born. And what is the purpose of this church? What is it meant to be doing? The purpose of the church is to be the people of the covenant who are this vehicle that are to go and be a light to the nations. That was the very purpose of the church being born. And I want you to see your and my critical part in Galatians chapter 3. And Paul puts it this way. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. Do you know there's that children's song, Father Abraham had many sons? It's got to be the most irritating song <laughs> that I think I've ever heard. But it's an incredible song. I am one of them, and so are you. Do you realize that because of Jesus, you and I are children of Abraham? When God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, through you I'll bless all people, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Well, I'm one of the descendants of Abraham through Jesus. Do you know what that means? That blessing that God made with Abraham in Genesis 12 is mine. That covenant is mine. Anyone who has faith along with Abraham has that blessing. We can claim God, you said you would bless the descendants of Abraham. I am one of those. That covenant applies to me. It applies to the church. But remember in the beginning we said there are always two sides to the covenant. So if I'm asking God to pour out his blessing on me, what am I meant to do with that? Just sit on it? Or is he blessing me so that I will take that blessing and bless all the peoples of the earth? And so, as I think of my country, South Africa, I want God to bless my, my country. 
And the more I bless the nations as a South African, the more I know God can bless my country. It's the covenant principle. That's how it works. So I wish that song, Father Abraham, wouldn't end, so let's just praise the Lord. I wish it would end, so let's go and tell the world. Because that's what a child of Abraham really does. And you know, the amazing thing is, God is doing it. And as I said in the first service, I can sum up the book of Revelation in two words. God wins. Because in Revelation 5, it says, With your blood you purchase men and women from every tribe, language, people, and tongue. We know the end of the story. God does it. He brings them all in. And one day you and I will be standing around the throne with all these millions of people. And every single language, tongue, and tribe will be standing there with us, worshipping and declaring that Jesus is Lord. That is what it's going to look like. So God does it. There's no question He's going to do it. The question is more about you and me. Are we going to just stand back and watch? Or are we going to stand up and say, God, you've called me. You've equipped me. You've empowered me to be a child of the covenant. And I want to join you in this incredible mission of reaching all people of all nations. And I want to bless the nations as you bless me. And I want to live as a child of the covenant. That's what he's called us to do as the church. That's our very purpose for existing. There is a, a sport in, in the UK. I don't like it very much. I don't know if they do it in America, but it's fox hunting. Where they have all these horses and they, they gather and then they've got these packs of dogs. And they go hunting for foxes. Now, the hardest part in fox hunting is really before... Because as they're preparing, they've got these dogs that are gathered, and these dogs get on each other's nerves. So they're biting and barking, and their biggest job is to try and keep these dogs from destroying each other. But guess what happens the moment they see the fox? A miracle takes place. Suddenly, 20 dogs that were biting each other become like this well-trained Navy unit. And they all in unison have got one thing on their mind and that is to catch that fox. And off this pack of dogs goes and are all on one team doing one thing and that is to catch that fox. And that is exactly what missions is in the church. If, if we as the body of Christ would just get a hold of this, that our very purpose, our fox is missions, is to be people of the covenant. If we lose the fox, if we lose sight of the fox, guess what happens in the body of Christ? We start looking at ourselves. We start looking at our issues. We start backbiting and gossiping and dividing each other and moaning about how we sing and how we do communion. And Satan sits there loving every minute of it. Go ahead, bite each other, get divisive, break up the church because we want the foxes to run free. When you get involved in missions, the things that we want to work on each other about start to fade into the background. And we join forces and we say, God, there is a purpose for us being here and there is a mission to be fulfilled. Let's get out there and go and do it. That is what people of the covenant do. And churches that are, get this, the churches that are fully engaged in missions, it's incredible to see what God does in them. 
And Acts 1 verse 8 talks about the Holy Spirit coming in power. Now, I don't know about you. How do you measure whether someone or a church is experiencing the power of God's Spirit? What is your measure of that? Well, I've got a clear measure. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And what will be the evidence? You will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Not first Jerusalem. All of those places. So when I come to a church and I hear they're involved in the nations, I have a sense that the Holy Spirit must be working there. Because this is all of God. This is why He sent the Holy Spirit. To empower the church to reach the nations. So the challenge to you and I is, how do, how do I live as a child of the covenant? And in the, in the time that we've got left, I want to encourage you that you who know Jesus can make an incredible difference in this world today. And the one thing every follower of Christ can do is, is, is we can pray. Do you know that when we pray, God works. Do you believe that your prayer can change nations? That's the essence of it. Do we sitting here truly believe that when we pray, if we gather and we pray for the nation of Egypt, Syria, and at the end of our meeting, God will have heard our prayers and He will use those prayers to change those nations. If we really believe that, Surely, as God's people, we would start taking prayer so seriously. But isn't it sad that in most churches in the world today, which, which meeting in the whole week is the one that's least exciting and least attended? It's the prayer meeting. And yet this is the very power that God has given us to change people, to change nations. Do you know that more Muslims have come to know Jesus in the last 15 years then all the years from the birth of Islam right up to 1990 added together. Muslims are coming to Christ in unprecedented numbers. Do you know why that is? Because like never before, there are groups and masses of Christians and churches starting to fast and pray that the Muslim world would be turned upside down and changed and brought into the kingdom of God. And God is hearing the prayers of his people. He's changing the nations. There was a, a missionary in Egypt who uh, was a dentist. And there was this fundamentalist group that really didn't like what he was doing. He would, he would be a dentist at day and at night he'd be out sharing the gospel. And uh, one day he was sitting in a park resting under a tree. He fell asleep. And this group had been following him, and they decided they were going to attack him and end his life that day. And as they came to get him, suddenly around him were these eight um, pretty big guys, like Arnold Schwarzenegger size. They took one look at these guys and decided, this is probably not a good idea, and they left. And the next week, the leader of that gang decided this was a little bit strange. He wants to find out what's going on. So he gets a dentist appointment. And he's sitting in the dentist's chair. And while he's sitting there, he says to the guy, can you tell me something about your security guards? You know, who are these people that come and walk, you know, and protect you in that? Uh, 
the dentist looked at him and said, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. And they both left pretty confused as to what had happened. And about six months later, he went home to his home church. And he was in the service sharing the story of what had happened to him. And he says, I don't know, I don't know what that was. And at the end of the service, a young, an elderly lady came to him and asked him, when did this happen? And he described the day and the time and when it was. And the tears just started to roll down her face. And she said, do you know that on that afternoon, there were eight of us sitting in this church praying over your life? Praying that God would keep you protected and taken care of. Does God hear the faithful prayers of his saints? There's no question. And you know, prayer is about faith. Those eight ladies got to see the fruits of their prayers. Most of the prayers you and I pray, we don't get to see what God's doing. One day in heaven, Revelation talks about this bowl of incense that is the prayers of the saints. One day we get to see, and God will open it up and say, all those prayers you pray, I want you to see the difference that you made. And every now and then he gives us a glimpse to encourage us and say, I'm hearing you. Don't stop praying. Don't stop interceding because I hear you when you pray. That's our God. He hears us. And I don't know about you, but I would love one day to stand before the throne and have some Chechen, some unreached person who's never heard the gospel come, come, and come to me and, and come to the people who I pray with and say, do you remember when you had a, a missions prayer meeting in Westerville? And you guys prayed that, that God would bring his kingdom to Dagestan. Well, I want you to know God heard, you, heard your prayer and I'm around the throne today because you prayed. What an incredible moment that'll be. That's something everyone can do. And so my challenge to you is to get involved in praying for the nations. And we have this incredible resource called Operation World. And Pat's brought a whole lot of copies, $12. But this has every single country in the world. And if you start praying in January right through to December using this resource, you will have prayed for every single country, people, and nation on planet Earth. It is such an incredible resource. I believe next to the Bible, this is probably one of the most important books any Christian can have. So I want to encourage you to buy one, get one for your family, and start praying for the world. Pray to the nations and see how God will use the prayers of his people to bring incredible change. But I've also challenged Pat to start a missions pre-meeting. You have a pre-meeting on a Thursday, which I know I encourage you to go to that and, and, and pray for the nations. But we at Heritage, one of the first things I did when I arrived, the first week, as I started a missions pre-meeting. And for the past two years, every Thursday morning from 6.30 to 7.30 a.m., we meet in our home, about 20 of us. And all we do is we travel around the world on our knees praying for the nations. And last week we had a wonderful celebration of all that God has done as he's shown us how he's answered some of our prayers. So they've, they've set up a pre-meeting for Monday the 16th of January. 
starting at 7.30 at Pat's place. Would you consider becoming part of a prayer movement here at Quest, where this becomes what Jesus called the temple? When he was clearing out the temple, do you know what he called God's house? In Mark 11, 17, he called it a house of prayer for the nations. Wouldn't it be wonderful for this to be a house of prayer for the nations? So won't you consider making prayer for the nations part of your commitment to living as a child of the covenant? What about giving? Do you know what the good news is? This is the first time in the history of the church that worldwide there are enough Christians and churches. We have all the resources that we need to finish the Great Commission in my lifetime. That is unbelievable to me. What an exciting time to be around that we can finish the task that Jesus gave us, this covenant of blessing all the peoples of the earth. We can do it in my lifetime. We've got everything we need to do it. We just got to do it. What a time to be alive. The bad news is, at the current rate of giving and resourcing world missions, there's still 30% of this world that hasn't heard the gospel. The current rate of giving, it's going to take 30 years before that even changes by 1%. Because sadly, Christians give 1% of everything they have to the church, and the church then gives 5% of what it has to reaching the nations. If you look at the covenant and God said, I've blessed you so you will bless the nations, there's something wrong with those stats. If I'm a person of the covenant, God, I want to bless this world. I want to bless the nations so that you will bless me. That's the whole point of the covenant. As I think about Todd, who's been sent out by Quest. You know, for someone to go to another nation to learn their language and to stay long term is a treasure in world missions. And Todd, is it 14 years? That is incredible. That someone from Westerville, Columbus would go, leave everything, and spend 14 years in another place and learn their language, that is a gift to missions. We're trying to get people to stay just five years. Now, if you believe in Todd, if you believe in everything that he's doing, and I know all the guys have gone to see what he does, come back amazed. I saw these faces. Isn't it incredible? God's bringing the nations to Saratov, Russia, and Todd starts a church among them. Now, I can't wait to see all of them go back to their countries and take all the discipleship that's gone into their lives and bless the nations. God's using the church in Saratov to bless the nations. Now, if Todd has truly been sent out by quest, Todd should never have need of support, both prayer, but also in our giving. And I'm not saying change your tithe. You need to give your tithe to the church, but missions is all, always about giving over and above. But if this man is believed in from you and sent out from this church, he should, have, he should never have to worry about having enough to fulfill the, the mandate of reaching the nations on behalf of Quest. And from all I hear, the people here really believe in this man. And so I pray that he goes back knowing that he has a community of faith that are fully behind him in everything that he does. We can make a huge difference in this world 
if we just start learning how to be people of the covenant. My income over the years, from a student where I was earning $150 a month to where I am now, has changed all the years. But I've never not tithed or given over and above to missions. Because I want to be a child of the covenant. So it doesn't matter what your level of income is. It's about being faithful to everything that God has given you. And you know, as you bless the nations, God just blesses you more. I found that to be true all the years of my life. So I encourage you to try it out and see what happens. But finally, there's one thing that, can, that we can do, and that is we can go. Todd's gone from this church. But what about you? Do you know, as a young guy at 20, I heard about these millions that had never heard the gospel. I saw God's heart for the nations, and I decided, okay, I don't see anyone else from my church going, well, maybe I should go. And God, I'm just waiting. You give me the call, and I'm out of here. So I sat waiting for the call, because I was told you've got to have a call. So I was hoping walking down the beach one day, maybe the wind would blow up and Uzbekistan would be in the sand, or I'd open my Bible, you know, we use it as a lottery and, and the land of Uz. I found there is a land of Uz in here. I was hoping one day I'd just land on it and that would be the mystical call. It just wasn't happening. And then my eyes were opened. Matthew 28, does your version say, Jesus said, stay where you are. And if I want you to go, I'll call you. My Bible says, as you go, make disciples of all nations. So I say, you realize, but Jesus, you said we must go. So really the call is to stay. So I said in the first service, I'd love to do a quick altar call now. All those who are called to stay, I want you to come forward. Because you're the guys who need the prayer. We're going to lay hands on you, pray about your calling, and the rest of us, we're packing our bags. We're going. I'm kidding. I'm not really going to do that. But you see how the enemy has even used the term calling to prevent incredible men and women of God from going to the nations. The face of missions is no longer the seminary student who's gone for seven years. No. It's doctors, teachers, nurses. It's people who love Jesus going from 18 to 80, going and going and reaching the nations with the gospel of Jesus. We need everybody out there. Would you consider going, whether it's short term or long term? If you've got any excuse, I'd love to have coffee with you. I can get rid of all your excuses. I can find every one of you sitting here a place where you can serve Jesus among the nations. But let me just tell you, when you go, even if you go on the short-term trip to Saratov, God will change you. You will not come back the same. And guess what will happen to your church? You know, you can't, I'd rather cool down a fanatic than warm up a corpse. I'd much rather have fanatics, and I'm sure Ross would like that as well. It's much harder to warm up a corpse than it is to cool down a fanatic. When you come home from a trip, your life is changed. And I just want to end with my hero in mission. She's a lady who goes on short-term mission trips. And she's now in her 70s. And she's uh, half deaf. She walks. She's had a hip replacement, so she walks with a limp. But she is open doors as this group that smuggles Bibles into close countries. She's their best smuggler. 
So whenever they need someone for a dangerous difficulty, they call her and off she goes. So she goes to China and she's got her strategy works out. She's got two suitcases always to balance her, you know, and, and uh, full of Bibles. And so when she gets to customs, she just picks a spot on the wall and she walks. She doesn't look at anyone. And that's her strategy. So she lands in China and she comes to customs and he has this big Chinese official standing there. And she just picks her spot and she starts walking. So he says, lady, can you just stop? I want to check your bags. She doesn't hear him, of course, so she just carries on walking. So he says, lady, and he shouts, stop. And she heard that. So she stops. And while he's walking to her, his boss comes to her. Because in China, to shout at an old lady is very disrespectful. So his boss comes to him and says, what are you doing? We've got all these foreigners looking at us and you're shouting at this old lady. Now you carry your bags for her. <laughs> so this Chinese official apologizes profusely. She hands him her bags. He follows her to a taxi, helps her in the taxi, puts the cars, the, the Bibles in the back, and off she goes and distributes this, this precious cargo into the hands of these Chinese believers in China. 75. A lady who understands what it means to be a child of the covenant. So it doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, what you do. It's about saying, God, here I am. I'm willing to be a child of the covenant. And I want to be involved in missions. Because that's what you've asked me to do. That's the mandate. That's what you've called. Because gathered around the throne in Revelation 7, it says... There were people from every language, tribe, tongue, and nation. How did they get there? Through the people of God. You and me getting involved in the nations of the world. And, uh, and so I'd like to just ask you, if you would consider this as we close. Um, I just feel God wants me to do this. Some of you are already doing this. You're involved. You pray, you give, you serve God among the nations. But some of you maybe today want to say, God, here I am. I want to be a child of your covenant. From this day forward, I want to honor you and I want to serve you among the nations. I want to start praying. I want to start giving. And if you want me to go, I'm willing. If that's you this morning, I'd like you to just stand where you are. And I'd like to just pray for you and pray that God would use Quest to be a nation, a church that changes the world. So if you're already on that journey, please stand. But if you need to start and you want to commit to be on that journey from today, why don't you just stand where you are and let's say a prayer that God would use this church to bless the nations. Thank you, Father. And as your first act, I want to encourage Todd and Pat this morning and anyone who is serving God in missions from this church. And would you guys just come and stand here for a moment? Um, is there anyone else, Pat, that I don't know about? Are Deanna, are you here, the Parkers? And I, I just want to ask you, and, and Ross, I'll ask you to pray. But if you guys can just, if you wouldn't mind coming forward and just gathering around these two folks.
and laying your hands on them and saying, we're with you. We're with you guys. You are our hands and feet among the nations. Won't you gather around them? Come, Just come forward and put your hands on them and Ross will just pray a prayer over these saints of yours that are serving among the nations. So please just come and stand among them and let's, let's commit them to the Lord. If God's been speaking to you about something, please don't leave here without doing something about it. Pray with somebody. Come out, meet with you know uh, many of our international mission partners are out here in the lobby. We'd be happy to pray with you, to answer your questions. But just but don't leave here with business unsettled. If you're newer with us today or visiting with us today, I want to extend an invitation to lunch immediately following in the hospitality room. Whether you are SVP or not, we always have plenty of food. We'd love to have you come join us. It's great food and a good conversation, and we'll be short about it. So thank you for coming. Come back next week. Bring some friends. We've got a great testimony next week. God bless.